0: Hey Carol, how are you doing? I'm good. How about you? I think better. <laughs> <laughs> now the uh, most uh, serious question in the entire podcast is, of course, what was your first computer?
1: Oh wow, that's a, that's the uh, that was a Commodore sixty four. I'm extremely sentimental about it. Um, I even recently got a book about how to uh, about a game development for a Commodore sixty four. Uh, it's mostly uh, assembler so i didn't really get very far with it but mm-hmm. you know i still
0: uh
1: still love this machine yeah
0: and and can we still buy it c64 or emulator or something or it over i think you can still get it um
1: it's even it was you know there recently it's been a, a whole movement uh, retro movements to bring back those machines so you can actually get new version of six uh commodore 64 in form of like a, a mostly gaming machine so
2: mm-hmm. i'm
1: guessing it's like a pi with some emulator on it and a
0: joystick comes with it but yeah but there's nothing official right so um i know mm-hmm. there's this, i think re- re- retro pi i think so it, but so I, uh, think mm-hmm. I, th- I think there's
1: i think there's two things one is the um, the official products, like mm-hmm. um, which basically kind of try to bring this, uh, old, uh, machines back and mm-hmm. you can buy them on Amazon, or I'm pretty sure Sam is, is available all over the world, but also there are in leaders and they can install pretty much on every machine. Um, the community is quite big. I'm not really on top of things when it comes to, you know, retro machines, but like, I'm, you know, still very sentimental. And from time to time, I, I like to go back and review my first, um, First machine, I mean, first programs. I would pay a lot of money if I could get my old software I've written for Amiga or Commodore 64.
2: Yeah. It's gone.
1: So for new developers who are starting their work or they just getting into software engineering, save your first program. Save all the stuff because in 20, 30 years you might want to bring it back and take a look at it and maybe you know play with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, my first computer was Static Spectrum, and I also um uh, was curious what's what's happens uh, with with that. And what I found that um, there was some movement, so I try you know to to uh to rebuild the the original one, but it was like it was not very successful. So I was curious what to you know the story with C sixty four, but I was a huge fan of C sixty four. I wanted actually to to have one. And also Amiga 500. also wanted to have mm-hmm. one, but never got one. So I actually had just the ZX, which was also great for, for that time, I would say. ZX, but it was the next... Well, was not the small one. It was the 128 from Amstrad already. So it looked serious, actually. So the data set was... Um, there was the keyboard, and the data set was one unit.
1: Oh, yeah, I remember those. Yeah, it was... Amstrad, Amstrad was also popular. Mm-hmm. Some of those... With, uh, with, 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 with this, you can put the tape on it, and like,
2: exactly, some of them
1: come, came with even like, I think, uh, some sort of disk drive, you just like Amiga. This was, so.
0: yeah, exactly. So it was later, and the, uh, and your C64 also had data set, but it was separate.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took a while to actually load, uh, if you want to play a game, it, it would, it would take more. like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, but what amazed me about this retro scene was like what those software developers were able to squeeze out of it. Like there was a demo scene, which Mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, some sort of animation or uh, voice synthesizers, like they were able to squeeze so much from this few kilobytes these days, which Mm -hmm. these days is nothing back in the day, you know. Yeah. It was a lot of RAM, but it's amazing that what you can do with so, so
0: little um, RAM. Mm-hmm. And uh, how you got the machine? So was it because you wanted to have it for school or was it like Christmas present or, or what was the story behind?
1: I think that the main drive for, you know, kids and it's gaming. So mm-hmm. I also want to play games.
0: So what was your the first games, game?
1: That's good. Oh, I remember The Last Ninja. That was my first game. Uh, it oh. was It was... It was one of the better-made games for Commodore, and I didn't know that that because it happened to my it happened to be you know my first game. But over time, when I look back, I think it was the most one of the most advanced and the
2: mm-hmm.
1: best games for this machine. So surprised it was my first game.
0: <laughs> so so yeah. so you just played the entire time, but what was the story? So what was the transition from gaming to programming?
1: So, Like this actually applies to all old old platforms. So back in the days, actually, you know, if you want to play a game, it it wasn't just a simple process, just like right now you get an Xbox, kids can turn it on and just start playing. In our case, it was slightly different. You often had to do a little bit of hacking. You need to figure out why things don't work. And eventually it will get you to the point where um, you learn things. The same starter with um, going back to the demo scene. Like I've seen a couple of beautiful demos, and I want to know how you can do it. How you can create, for example, you know, some 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 graphic effects. How can you do it on your own? And now, when you're talking about it, I remember one of the motivation was that at some point, you know, we were copying games. Obviously, you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. there was no restrictions. We start yeah. copying games. And there was also the movement to add your um, tiny demo in front of a game, like you would say something like "Dark Horse Federation cracked this game" and something like that. So my motivation was I wanted to be able to do it. I wanted to be able to leave a mark on this, you know, uh, pirated game. So I think I that was my way of getting into software engineering. And, you know, at the age of 11, obviously, getting into assembly um, and, like, uh, looking at the machine code, it's was pretty hardcore, so it was quite difficult. But eventually, I managed to, you know, um, do some stuff with, even on a very low level.
0: How uh, old I, were you back then? I,
1: I think it was, like, 10 or 9. 10? This yeah, is incredible. So, so, it was, like, it was uh, even, I remember even getting a... a a book about it, and I remember looking at it, but you know, that there was a things uh, which you have to know before you actually start even looking at those things, like how the binary system works, and, and they don't teach you this at uh, yeah. at school, like elementary school, so. And back then, there was no Wikipedia on the internet. You just had to figure it out. So there's a lot of motivation to, um, you know, learn stuff. Um, less distraction, you know, you, you, we didn't have a Facebook and, uh, you know, all the online distractions kids have these days. So I guess it was slightly different. And like, w- as, I, uh, you know, I, I, as we progressed with different platforms, I switched from Commodore, then I got Amiga, and then eventually I got PC. And PC was even more complex
0: when it comes to. Um, so, 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 what you did with uh, C64 and Amiga was uh, basically modifying games with assembler.
1: Pretty much. No, actually, Amiga was slightly better. Amiga had a language which was called, I think, Amos, something like that. It was like a combination okay. of Pascal and Basic. Okay. And it did have, um, and it did have some sort of easier way to operate and deal with sprites and that was the time when i actually got into game development i've wrote a couple of games and i would kill to get them back they lost
0: but um I even were they okay some... i mean if you if you look back <laughs> did they did they work or or how how good were they
1: yes they were um uh, pretty simple um i often were so that the, the biggest problem the challenge for me when you actually even till the till this day is to actually the UI. So if you want to create a sprite, then you need to be quite proficient in creating graphics. I never had that skill. So what I would do, I would just, I created this, when you're talking about it, I remember that I created this weird tool in AMOS, which would basically, uh, I was able to, uh, select area of some, uh, of some picture or graphics and copied it and save it to the disc. And then mm-hmm. use it in my game. So, I remember stealing some, you know, <laughs> graphics from different games, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and then and, and and use them. Uh, yeah, how in my, you were able
0: to steal graphics from games because screenshot didn't work back then, I guess. So you you had to extract, you know, the 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 assets from the games. I,
1: I don't actually understand. I don't remember that, but I remember stealing some interesting effects. Like for example, there was a game which had those rotating um, uh, rotating uh, like a like a Metroid or something. There was mm-hmm. very cool graphics on a copy. And that was pretty mm-hmm. much like a um, almost like a photo quality. Mm-hmm. And I remember like distinguishedly I, I, I stole that for my game, which was like kind of asteroid shooting game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't remember how I did it though. Uh, I think there was the way was that you would Start like I would start a, a my tool, then I would insert this um, the disc with the game, which gave me somehow access to file system, and then obviously nothing the, the what, what they had there was pretty much like a like bunch of graphics that I could open in my tool, and then copy what I want what I needed what I wanted from it.
0: But this is incredible, actually, if you think about it, right? What what you achieved?
1: Yeah, this is actually just for fun.
0: I know, just for fun, you know, modifying (laughs) existing programs, writing tools, and enjoying that. You know, you will see your Dark Horse Federation on the first screen. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So um, one of the things that I actually, you know, was a kind of interesting and like trying to um, change that for uh, younger people I interact with is that I didn't have any mentor. If I did have a mentor back then, things might be slightly different because. I also remember, um, writing, um, a chat, you know, basically like an application would allow you to chat in local network. And that was like very, very revolutionary at that time. And if yeah. I had a mentor that I would probably could push that further, somewhere further beyond the local, our, my local network and bunch of friends we shared this with, uh, or I shared this with. So, so having actually, you know, uh, Having somebody who can um who can see the potential in you and then mm-hmm. mentor you through life is also actually uh, very important. Um I can't complain. Uh, you know, I miss ended up being a software engineer, but um yeah, there's probably a lot of smart kids who don't have a chance to have a mentor or being able to so make the right decisions. What
0: what what I failed with was pick and poke. So uh, I did BASIC, not Assembler. So for me, it was uh, mission impossible to understand Assembler. So it was the first difference. So um, I bought some I bought some um, magazines, but there was nothing about Setic Spectrum. And the problem is my book was in French for no reason. Oh. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't understand French. So <clears throat> I saw s- so the source code. So BASIC, I could learn somehow. So it worked. So, you know, go to, go sub or stuff like that. But pick and poke was the thing where you can modify the lives of the of 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 the you know of the game. You can have endless life by modifying. Just saying, you know, pick and poke, and I try you know different things like iterating in a for loop over all the address space, and then the computer crashed or whatever. But I couldn't understand yeah. what's going on, so this made me crazy. And and later I understood, of course. But it was simpler than expected. So there's like memory map. And if you set you know specific number, something will happen. But back then I said, why from where did they know, you know, which number to set where in the address space? I I, re- I really remember this. Like Poke, you know, the first was the address and then was the from zero to two hundred and fifty fifty-five. So I, and how you learned Assembler, I mean, with ten, this is for me impossible. And you are complaining about mentors. I mean, with well, ten they- knowing assembler is crazy. It wasn't like
1: I learned it. I I was able to modify stuff with it. Like I was able to find stuff, modify it. Like writing something from scratch, it would be close to impossible at this age. But I knew that I could just look at it, even uh, find parts that maybe I can understand and modify them to Mm -hmm. look like this. But anything from building from scratch, it would be and one of the problems back then was i didn't have access to tools so it was quite difficult now i mm-hmm. you know uh, now i see that people who you know created their games they have all kind of tools you know um mm-hmm.
0: stuff to but still but even i wouldn't you know how to get access to the assembler or how to modify a game so because what i could do i could load the game but there was nothing in between you know so so you had already access to some tools in order to make it work obviously otherwise you wouldn't be able you know, to see the assembler or whatever you saw right so you had already I, some tools
1: yeah Commodore 64 came, came with uh, basic tools like uh yeah. that was like a, a basic compiler and interpreter and uh sure. there was some Same stuff here. i don't don't remember actually how you would I
0: don't remember, yes, assembly that much. I don't remember how you... Yeah, you you would need a kind of a program loader or whatever. Uh, what I remember, I had specific program to copy stuff. And in this program, I could add, you know, the peek and pokes if I liked. So this is what I remember. But mm-hmm. uh, this was my only tool I had. And you had probably something different. So you were able to load, you know, software into your tool and see, you know, the code. Because um, what I was able to do is to write basic and understand basic but what I also knew is that the games and, and all the stuff is some, somehow different right because there was no source code so I was saying why how they can do this that they can just load the stuff and I could you know I look at the tape and there was no source I was like okay this is uh, somehow strange because basic you couldn't compile basic you just run it I think right so th- there, there was no compiler it was just a run and it, it yes. just ran exactly so, I, so th- yeah yeah so interesting time so in Amiga you started to to code your games and they were somehow playable but the yeah they were, were not. playable they obviously okay.
1: they were not production quality I shared that those with um, with my friends but it wasn't um yeah it was definitely it wasn't I upgraded myself to using a more um, higher level languages I think it was Amos. it was pretty popular and it led you to mm-hmm. do a lot of cool stuff. And you had friends who also programmed stuff? No, it was mostly me. Um, hmm. uh, once I moved to, to PC, that that was also interesting times where we had to build our own local network because the internet was so expensive and our parents didn't want to pay for it. But um, once I, I moved to PC, that was uh, I had some people to interact with and hang out and maybe talk about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Almost yeah. I think. This is this animation language, Amos. This is it the Amiga was- platform with Acid mm-hmm. software, Blitz Basic. Never heard about that, but it's a thing, so you're absolutely right. So there is an um, Amos and STOS.
1: I think that it was actually, um, I kind of, I don't remember the syntax, but I think it was closer in my mind to Pascal. But yeah, maybe it was mostly basic. Um,
0: Good news to you. You can even download the source code right now. Oh, <laughs> From well, archive. What,
1: what I would really like to see my old software. Um, hopefully, maybe there are still like Amiga disks with the uh, in my parents' basement of this software somewhere. I gotta, you know.
0: You see, after the podcast, you have a, a, a mission.
1: <laughs> it definitely brings memory back. I mean, that's it's uh, good. Uh.
0: <laughs> yeah, was well, so I'm interested to know what is the start. So, if you start to program, what happens? And uh, some, you know, some guests. Just love, love co- coding, but this is maybe 1%, and most sta- most people started with gaming, actually. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, it's a, it, I think this is the, uh, the very common path mm-hmm. for most people. They started mm-hmm. gaming, um,
0: and then they moved to... So which software you've wrote, which was not game-related? Or maybe so- if there's a great game, you can also, would be interested. But uh, what was the transition between writing software to modify games and do something different?
1: So my attempts with at games were, um, were pretty much doomed because I didn't have skills to actually create a, a decent mm-hmm. graphics. And I didn't know anybody who could do it for me. So from this, you know, software, pers- well, like writing software perspective, um, I could create an engine, but, you know, this games would look terrible because, you know, the graphics were not so great. That's why, yeah, that's why it kind of, it's kind of funny when I look back, but, my first as I mentioned my first tool which I created which I'm mostly involved in like creating software tools these days was that tool that w- would allow me to you know steal graphics from a different mm-hmm. program and use it in my games but you know I I, uh, I started one game I f- one game when I finished was like a simple shooter you would uh, you fly that um, and uh, like it's you know starship and you would shoot like different type Mm -hmm. of enemies, it's Mm -hmm. quite simple, Um, It even uh, high score. The funny thing is now, I remember I brought it to, I I, I knew a couple of people who also own Amigas, so Mm -hmm. I brought it to my school, Mm share that with other people, I brought a couple of discs, give it to people, and no one wanted to believe that I did it. I (laughs) I was like, this is not that difficult, I guess. and then I had like a very ambitious project, was a RPG game, like a, a dungeon crawler. Okay. But I I started to implement. um for almost it was also Amos. Like uh, that was, that was okay. it. I and you, and
0: how old were you? Twelve <laughs> or thirteen?
1: I think I was like I think I was like a thirteen or fourteen at that time. Okay. So and, and unfortunately. You know, like at the time, I never, it was whatever you would implement, it was basically, it came for your experience. I didn't think about, it, you didn't. I didn't know that software engineer patterns or solution exists already or something that I can use. So I was trying to, you know, came up with my own way of solving problems, which obviously got me to the point where it was difficult very difficult to progress, especially in a more complex projects. Like I remember this RPG, I gave up on it because I couldn't create a, um, so the idea was that you would, every time you start playing games, the new da- dungeon will be j- out, like randomly generated.
0: Already you a would, challenge. You know,
1: yes. And you would be, and the, every room would have even like a treasure or monster or adventure. So, now you know when I think about it, I already immediately some solution came to my mind, like how to, how to solve it. Back then I couldn't, so I failed on that. Um, uh-huh. Also, I wanted to, you know, there was like just too many things at once. Then I wanted to add like a, 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 a pseudo three D graphics to it, oh. and the project basically got too big and too complex, and I eventually gave up to it, gave up because it was just like
0: it uh-huh. wasn't going anywhere. But it I was think, somehow operational. I mean, did,
1: no, no, it's just uh, the problem, like the the engine problems, just basically discouraged me to the point that I just gave up on it. And I think that after that, I had a a couple of years of being a wild teenager, so kind of software engineer was <laughs> was put under the uh, 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 back mm-hmm. burner, and I didn't do that much till the uh, PC, yeah, you know, basically, yeah. Uh,
0: so how you got the PC then? Or you bought one or why why you got it or I think it
1: was once again um combination of gaming and I I knew that I needed something for school projects. Even mm-hmm. though it was like the computers back then were not acquired. But um, I was probably mostly gaming when I think about it. <clears> oh <throat> mm-hmm. well, that actually broke another uh, another idea or another thing that I implemented was at some point obviously as every teenager I was trying to figure out how to make money. And I since that, I was not very good or um, game theater or statistics.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it was like 14 on 15. so I decided that I'm gonna start play lottery. And mm-hmm. I wanted to have uh, some sort of simulation how if let's say that if you buy a, a thousand coupons, like how likely I would win anything, right? So mm-hmm. I implemented that and I distinguishedly remember, that I, I made mistakes in, a, in in this algorithm. And the likeness of winning a lottery was like went up like crazy. And I was like, oh my God, if I buy like a, a hundred uh, coupons, then it's almost a sure thing. So it was uh, it was funny because then I realized that that might not be the case because otherwise people would win left and right. But that was... Um,
0: this is our first serious you know machine learning project right <laughs> it was like
1: yeah it, it, so well, one of the, the motivation behind it was also to to track let's say that you buy a large number of lottery tickets mm-hmm. and you want to easy access w- without checking every lottery ticket easy access to what um, if you win or you lose and because otherwise you have to go through hundreds of them right so mm-hmm. I ended up not buying the lottery tickets, but that was also an interesting experience. Uh, and I was very happy for maybe about two days, but then I realized that I there is a you know bug in my code and <laughs> <laughs> it's not that easy to win a lottery. Yeah.
0: Was it on the PC? It
1: was PC and I don't understand. I think it was Pascal. Pascal. I don't understand the language. I think because Pascal compiler was quite popular and I think Turbo Pascal. somehow okay. free. Oh, Turbo Pascal, exactly. Yes,
0: Volant. Hmm. Yeah, I also did. it. I like actually Pascal. I don't know. I like the language. Um, this was my first real language because I started with Basic and Tuo Pascal. You could compile. So then I understood, you know why I couldn't read, you know, the software because there was a binary. Yeah. And
1: yeah. So how about C? Did you ever um, do any work in C? Like
0: um, at the university? Yeah, I started uh, okay. with C, but it was later. So for me, it was uh, Tuo Pascal, Basic. And uh, GW Basic, I remember it was an AEG computer, and then C and C plus plus, and I really like C plus And mm. C, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I was a huge fanboy. And then Java came, but uh, you know, C, C in and C out and operator overloading. So I was I o- overloaded everything, <laughs> and I was I also liked you know the header files. So I I don't know also C plus uh, It was actually I really liked as I also read you know the strustrup book and uh, i don't know i oh yeah yeah, yeah this was the um the, the actually there would, i had two or three editions of the book and and i don't know i i just appreciate it because i also had the linux and the um compilers were quite expensive back then and with linux you could just you know do the gcc or c++ that, that there was an alias and you could just compile everything and it would run so for me it was like you know, uh, an alien experience. I actually can compile for free on my machine because um, I also bought Visual C++ as a student. There was a discount, but uh, it was not somehow as as accessible as the Linux experience. So I don't actually know. I had the license for Visual C++. but I actually bought it because it was quite cheap for students, but never used that. So I stick with Linux back then.
1: It's actually a a good point. Like back then... um... Tools are so expensive. That it was like I I forgot that because we're living in a different age right mm-hmm. now, where everything is open source or free. But back in the day, they actually have like um, even got like a decent programming tool like Borland. Um, what's the what was the Borland Pascal version of Borland Delphi? Um, Delphi.
0: Delphi. Delphi. So. That was like (laughs)
1: several thousands of dollars. Um, So what
0: I can tell you, the uh, Bolland J-Builder, this is what I used. It was the standard edition, like 200 euros. The professionals were like 1,000 and the enterprise was like 5K or something like this.
1: That's funny that you mentioned. I mean, this is like, uh, maybe I'm, you know, jumping the gun here, but uh, I actually ended up working partially on something where uh, at the beginning was, uh, it was... uh, java boulder uh, i mean borderland uh tool which was purchased by oracle and i ended up actually working for j that developer b- for some
2: time
0: so. that's interesting so uh, yeah, now so. uh so what happens after your lottery program Lo- lottery software no yes yeah, semi-successful
1: so, yeah yeah then uh i don't know i think that i did a couple of projects i think that i moved to c because we did have um, some sort of computer club at school, and okay. we did a lot of C. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't distinguish remember any project which is worth mentioning. There was a lot of tasks, like a smaller task of things you can do. Overall, not very impressive. I think that what it lacked was the excitement, like, Usually, all my drive behind all, all software I created on my own, they had some you know some some target something mm-hmm. that I wanted to do or something I wanted to achieve. And I think that this computer club was just basically oh you 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 have to do this and you know it's not gonna let me to win a lottery. It's not gonna let me to become a famous software game developer. It was just a way of learning stuff. So.
0: Were you actually motivated by movies like War Games or Star Wars or something like this or not? Not so
1: much. Um, no, it was mostly gaming. So it was like, like, yeah, gaming or making money. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, that's actually also also interesting conclusion. I mean, that that's true. I was, I wanted to do games that other people would use, or I want to make money. So computers were. Basically, what tool for those two things for me and
0: yeah. Uh, That's interesting you know. because with money, I, I, for me, it was uh, unthinkable that you could make money with a computer. It was more like a you know early toy or something like this. So this was interesting.
1: Yes, um, you know, by make money, I mean like you know win a lottery or something. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't this is directly, interesting, right? directly mm-hmm. uh making the. Uh, the, the mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, after that, um, I think that when I got PC, mm-hmm. the so then we were starting to approach, you know, so-called internet era. Mm-hmm. So everybody, like, so one of the things in 93 or 92, I think, 93, 90 that internet was extremely expensive. So we all were using dial-ups, either mm-hmm. offered through our school or
2: mm-hmm.
1: somehow at the beginning was not even TCP. TCP IP, it was just some sort of you connect to a server through some protocol that I don't remember and just like do some stuff with it, not much though. And then um, around 92, 93, um, I think that there was time where uh, network games or like games you could uh, play over internet or local networks start, start appearing. So me and my friends decided, oh let's uh create a local local network and start start competing and playing with each other. Those games <laughs> mostly Doom, Quake. Yeah. And I think that was uh, an even older one. And that was another revolution for me from my perspective. It was that we needed a tool to communicate with each other. And it was a very early so we there was not really many chats that we would work for us because most of them, for example, was used TCP IP for some reason. And we had like some some other protocol. It was, I think, some weird Windows protocol which doesn't exist anymore, like NetBIOS or something.
2: NetBIOS, so, uh-huh.
1: yeah, so I, I decided like, yeah, like why not and uh, write the, uh, a, a chat, a communicator that we can use. And,
2: mm-hmm. and that was another kind of like, I hope. And that,
1: you
0: wrote that, it? Um,
1: Yes, I did because we didn't, we couldn't find anything. Or
0: and it worked. once again, we was that. It it, it worked. Your chat. Yes,
1: yes. It it, it was actually um, first version was that only two people who uh, could communicate. the 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 interesting part of it was that now I remember that you could see who's online and who's not. Even though it was extremely flanky. it was extremely unreliable. Unreli- uh, and I think it was, what language was that? It definitely wasn't C-sharp because C-sharp didn't exist yet.
0: No. C-sharp was, came after Java.
1: Yes. It was something like, I want to say it was Visual Basic, which I can't believe it that I touched this thing. or.
0: Visual Basic or Visual C++, I guess. This was, uh, was, C-sharp came way later. So C-sharp, I think 2002 or 2003 or something, this was C-sharp. Yeah. Or maybe two thousand so early, so java came first, and a couple of years later we got was... c sharp and visual c plus plus on Microsoft was huge visual c plus plus or even i guess it could be Bolland c plus plus
1: or maybe it was one of those languages one of those that because I know that that uh, the create that that was when already you could use um tools like what you got what you hmm. what you see is what you got like one of those drop and drop uh uh-huh. ui tools so that was i, I don't remember that exactly the, 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 what tool was used but it would work pretty well and and that was the moment that i think that one of the biggest wasted opportunities that we could go ahead and start. <laughs> maybe not that
2: <laughs> far but
1: i remember that was kind like of a year after I came up with this idea, there was a couple of uh, options, but mm-hmm. at the moment there was still uh, still new and exciting.
0: And and your friends were impressed with your skills with the chat, or everyone was able to understand what's going on.
1: They were quite impressed. I was like a uh, kind of it was like a breakthrough in the sense that we could communicate. We didn't have to call each other anymore. Mm-hmm. We could just chat. It was once again it was it was pretty buggy and and. Uh, but it
0: worked. Um,
1: they they liked it definitely. Uh,
0: so what was the next project then after the chat? It's
1: a good question, though. I don't I don't I don't remember.
0: I think once again, uh, I don't know, actually.
1: That's that's the very good question. I think that I Oh how you a, p-
0: transitioned from chat writer you know, to something professional what you did? or what was the next language maybe?
1: So next language I think I think I transitioned to Java
0: Oh, cool. I think because I,
1: I, the idea of that something could, that was when Linux starting to appear. And I think the idea that you can write software and run it on one then, uh, the, the not only on Windows, but on like, let's say Linux, I didn't have access to Mac. I, mm-hmm. I think it was very tempting. And I want everybody was talking about it. I wanna just give a shot. See how it works. I, I remember buying a book. I think it was Java One or something like that. Java
0: in a nutshell. I, yeah, be? from David Flanagan.
1: It could be. It was just. A, it feels like ancient times.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. So it was. Uh, it was frustrating. Uh, I remember because it didn't work out as expected. But, but why actually, you
0: wanted to touch Java at all? Do you have it for, for work, for school, or you wanted to earn money again, you know?
1: <laughs> I think that was a time where I got in, back into programming because I, I had, like, those breaks. For some time, I just basically... So one of my uh, weird traits of my personality is for getting to something, I basically do it, like, and I don't care about anything else. And I think once, we, once I finish this... Um, phase of playing video games online. I got into skateboarding for a couple of years.
0: Oh, cool. How <laughs> good then, like, were I... you at skateboarding? Was that? Oh, How um... good were you?
1: I was pretty good and competitive. I had several injuries. It was like actually skateboarding and snowboarding uh, to the point that I, I seriously broke a couple of bones. My left hand is slightly shorter now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I broke it so badly doing some tricks that... Um, so with skateboard like or with uh, snowboard? Snowboarding. Snowboarding is much more uh, dangerous mm-hmm. because the speed is uh, mm-hmm. higher and you have to. The tricks are also uh, require more air time. Let's. More, what more was like, your
0: craziest trick then with snow on snowboard? So could you do? A, I don't know. What,
1: what? I backflips or no, 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 no. I, I didn't get that far, but I could do like. Okay. I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to do backflips and stuff, but then I broke my uh, arm mm-hmm. and I decided that maybe it's not as smart as <laughs> I Yeah, I spend more time skateboarding and skateboarding is, um, it's an interesting sport. It's like golf. It requires massive amount of dedication and patience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's like, if you're not super patient and it's kind of, and you don't, so you basically need to amass a hist and just basically be injured every day because this. So, yeah, I love this sport till, 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 till this day, I, I love it. I don't ski anymore. I'm too old. But uh, I think that was the period where I stopped programming and got into something else. Okay. And then I came back to it, I think in uh, uh, in the university, I, uh, I started to doing what you started?
0: computer science.
1: Uh, I st- studied a couple of things. I moved from one major to another Uh, Eventually, I ended up doing something like computer science. My final project was, I didn't want to, so here's the thing, I didn't want to do computer science for one reason, because I thought that computer science, from my perspective, is just a tool to, Mm -hmm. just like language, like Mm -hmm. speaking different languages doesn't really, doesn't Mm -hmm. make you a a really expert in anything. Mm -hmm. You need to understand the problem and then, take a tool and fix it or describe it. So Uh I switched a few times and ended up doing material science, including, Uh um, but it was like mostly about math and describing very advanced, um, very advanced, uh, not so much advanced, but things that happening in the very advanced chemistry. Uh And I realized that you can simulate a lot of things using um, using computers and using uh,
2: software.
1: Mm-hmm. So I ended up you know basically uh, studying computer science and implementing and using this as a tool to solve different problems and uh, advanced and and, and discrete, discrete math. It was I don't mm-hmm. remember much out of it but
0: So you it enjoyed was... math and, and chemistry.
1: Yes, it was combination math, chemistry, and computer science in the end. My project was like, basically, my final project was something that they gave me a problem or something that some professor had to fix or simulate on a daily basis mm-hmm. with very advanced math, and I had to. Uh, you,
0: you know what it was? What was the outcome? Was it like visual project or was just some calculations? Or...
1: No, it was just basically calculation, and then uh, you could take this data and visualize it in the way you want it.
0: Mm-hmm. Unfortunately,
1: once again, I realized that the simulation, like the, translating very advanced map n- math into simulation, also require always requires some ah uh, to simplify the, those models, and then mm-hmm. you have a corner cases where the simulation doesn't work. And I remember uh, in the university that. That I was attending, which is uh, Silesian University, at the end of the. Um, before you graduate, you need to defend your uh, your final project in front of the uh, couple of professors. Mm-hmm. And the problem was that my simulation uh, partially <laughs> were not showing exactly what it showed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it worked fine all the time. And then somebody put some corner case, and I was sweating for 30 minutes trying to defend it but I they say that's fine you know a passed but it was um, it was another just like this lottery yeah application where you know that the proof that software not always works and there's always corner case and
0: yeah so your speaking work. speaking uh, skills help help you back then right
1: I think uh, one of the professor who liked me I think he saved saved me partially <laughs> because you know uh, after um when you're young and, you know, let's say that you're like 22 or 23, mm-hmm. you still lack of skills to uh, explain or handle, handle stress.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's just obvious, like young people don't really, very good in dealing with that unless you have like a natural capabilities, but, and he saved me somehow. He helped me to explain why it doesn't work. And, mm-hmm. but it was, yeah, there was a uh, 30 minutes of extreme stress. <laughs>
0: You did it in Java? That's um
1: a that's a good question. I don't remember. You don't I remember don't...
0: whether it's Java or not. This is uh this is
1: I think Java at that point time was not. Okay. I was I I think it wasn't. It was it was a very advanced simulation. It needs to be it had to be compiled to so, so low low levels, low level. Uh-huh. Um, so it wasn't Java wasn't very I think at that time Java wasn't very uh
0: fast or efficient. So and after university, you, you started to work for a company or what you did? Yes. Know?
1: So if I started to work for a small company, and but almost immediately I was, um, I don't know exactly how, but I ended up working for some microsystems.
0: You don't know um, how?
1: I, this is because at that time I had a couple of offers. I don't remember how. I definitely was a choice number one because obviously, some
0: microsystems, right? They're the guys behind Java and, you know, but you, one but of the big uh, companies. But at the university, you know, you wrote some something in low level, but you knew already about Sun, right? So Sun was. Sun, I yes. Think to know back then. Okay.
1: Yes, I, I knew about Sun. I knew about Java. I did a couple of smaller projects in Java. And. I think that possibly I tried to implement a simulation in Java, but it did not work
2: uh-huh.
1: as expected. It was just too slow or too big, or don't remember uh-huh. the details. And so obviously I knew about Java, and everybody was very exciting about Java. It was it was new and cool, and you know uh-huh. everybody wanted a piece of it and work with this uh-huh. uh, this you know this language. And I think after university, as I said, I I got a job like in smaller company. And then I started to work... Oh, I remember. I started to work with Java. Don't remember what framework was that exactly, but it was something server-side mm-hmm. and either required very early version of Tomcat or... Struts, I guess. And that was probably Struts or JS, JSF or JFS. Struts Java. JSF
0: was too early, I think. It was uh, Struts or Tapestry I, or something like this. But Struts was likely, yeah. yes.
1: Oh, I remember because you would insert those stocks which were compiled on the server side. Oh, Man, this is JSP's yeah, yeah, then.
0: JSP's, Java server pages and Struts was the controller. Strata's yeah, action. I, th-
1: I think it was one of those. It's yeah. kind of bladed to me but I, I think it did something from this guys and I think I got stuck into Java to the point that I really want to work for get close source. So I think I applied mm-hmm. uh, for job in, in, in some microsystems and you know I went to Back then, it was actually in Prague, uh, in Czech Republic, um, okay. and he was, and I got, I got a job, and
0: what did you do? Oh, time?
1: oh, I remember that now that it, you know, now I remember. So when I was working on my first Java project, I was using NetBeans IDE,
2: ah. and
1: and then I realized that you know, NetBeans is hiring, and I really wanted to join the the team. So that's how I ended up
0: uh, working for. For soon. I, I, This is what I knew, but I didn't knew that you were working with uh, for the NetBeans team. This was this was new. So I knew to uh, Hetian back then. So you worked for Hetian from the beginning.
1: I work with them. Uh, yes, I work with. I was actually. So here's the thing. Another interesting thing. When I got a job, I applied for a job, and I ended up working for uh, NetBeans, uh, part of NetBeans, which support which supported um, mobile technologies. Oh, it was okay. Java ME back then
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and how I met Herkian, we all you know we we it wasn't such a big team it was maybe
2: yeah.
1: fifty people and uh, and we all knew each other um till this day we stay in touch and <laughs> even mm-hmm. after all which,
0: this, which which year was it with Netbeans when we started at Sun you know it It was two
1: thousand
0: four okay.
1: Something like that, or two thousand three, one of one of those years, um,
2: uh-huh.
1: and um, yeah, and uh, I moved to Prague. Um, we start working on this very cool new project, which was basically something that people still trying to achieve was basically low programming tool to you know you, you wanna you wanna drag and drop few things uh-huh. to your to some sort of designer and the majority of code is basically um, generated for you.
2: Mm-hmm. So that
1: was a extremely challenging and cool project where for uh, mobile technology, for Java ME, where people could create, or in theory could create, uh, quite advanced applications without knowing.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you also worked much? with John Cazzarelli? Yes, John was
1: John was there. Um, I think that, because I, I don't remember what was, Ch- Jon's position at the time, it's possible that they might be somehow involved in documentation or quality Yeah, he was in,
0: involved in documentation. I had a chat with him on a Oh, so like uh, two episodes ago, and oh, cool. uh, we had a chat about what you see is what you get, and he was in one point of time also behind Matisse in NetBeans but he started with documentation. This is why I assume that uh, maybe uh, you worked also for John because he was involved with low code. What you see is what you get. He was then the uh, team lead, one of the team leads uh, behind Matisse.
1: Oh, I remember Oh, Matisse was the uh, the swing designer. Yeah, that exactly. was pretty cool, yes. Uh, no, I actually uh, covered, uh, so basically because the, the, the specification of Java, which was divided between you know Java and e, Java SE and Java Enterprise. Mm-hmm. We were focusing on Java ME and Java ME was huge back then. He was basically making such a huge amount of money for Sun mm-hmm. that they are we had a good you know, good amount of resources and funding to do pretty much whatever we, we wanted. So no, it was a Martin Riesel, uh, he was a manager. I worked with an extremely smart guy. I was, we stay in touch with Tilda's day. His name was uh, Dave, uh, David Kaspar. Mm-hmm. Um the team was amazing. Um till 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 this day I think this is was the uh, NetBeans was pretty much the 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 smartest people I've met so much and they achieved so much um with this uh, NetBeans ID.
0: Yeah, I like Ned yeah. uh, NetBeans to, to this day actually. So uh it is uh for them the simplicity and ergonomics they are great.
1: Yes, uh yes, and it was also, you know, we back there we were all much younger, so it was not only that. It was also uh, you know outside of work activities. We would, I remember, that's the funny story. Was one of our colleagues had a some cottage somewhere outside of Prague. Mm-hmm. So he would organize some sort of what we call LAN party. That was a thing back in the day.
2: Mm-hmm. So the LAN
1: party was basically everybody, uh, everyone brings a laptop and we all playing video games. Oh. And I think that was like a different fractions. We had a lot of people from United States and we, we were kind of divided between Europeans and uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: people from the States. And we were competing like with different first person shooters. And then I remember that they were uh, upstairs, with we downstairs and we were screaming. They were screaming, USA, USA <laughs> when they kill us. It was, um, it was like really, um, yeah, we were working hard and also having lots of fun. And in the end, you know, the product we created was pretty amazing from mm-hmm. you know the resources we got. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, good times.
0: <laughs> I actually f- did knew that you worked on Java ME. Um, what I remember is the, the NetBeans day where I met you the first time. It was in 2008, I guess, so a few years later. So you were still in the, still in the Java ME team, right? Back then
1: that's actually a good question. I don't remember because I'm uh my role shifted a few times. At some point, I was involved in uh, support for JavaFX. We were working on a product which would support and JavaFX that include editor and uh some sort of uh you know, drag and drop supports
0: to create um. Mm-hmm.
2: What was y? the name of the
0: project? Was was this this project which uh, Tor Norby actually mentioned at the keynote? Because there's one project yes. which was never released, and I forgot the name. You know yes, the name? Yes, that was
1: the one. I don't remember the name. <laughs> that's actually uh, that don't remember the name, but
0: but we only have to you know to rewatch the Java One keynote from back then, and you will know because everyone talks about that. And it looks actually pretty pretty amazing from 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 look and feel.
1: Yes, it was. Um... It was also a challenge because that there was a couple of. Um, I think that at some point we the decision was not to use NetBeans as a platform, mm-hmm. and that we literally started to implement everything from scratch, including Windows system. But in the end, it was never released, and we actually moved back to Java to NetBeans and support for uh support Java FX inside of NetBeans. I remember working on uh, editor um support. I mean code completion and other stuff. Uh but yeah, then I was also leading mobile Java, I mean Netbeans mobile for some time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's um, uh, yeah, I had the different roles um in Netbeans and got a chance to work with different people. Yeah, going back to those uh, Netbeans trips, that was also um, uh, it was pretty exciting to meet all the people. I know that we went somewhere with you and Tony, right, Tony Apple.
0: Yeah, this was, uh, this was actually funny because um, Hetian asked me, you know, can you, can you just join, we do a world tour in NetBeans? And I'm a freelancer. I have lots of projects. Okay, in a way, I cannot just, you know, do a one-month vacation and just go with, you know, around the world. <laughs> but um, but uh, what I found out that uh, actually uh, Posen and Gdańsk is um, very good, you know, to, to reach from Munich is what like one-hour flight. So, okay, I take these two cities because anything else, I, I, Munich was already taken and Frankfurt, and this was just you know, a few cities le- left where uh, Hattian wanted to have, to have support. So, I said, okay, um, I, I buy two tickets. I said, no, you don't have to because uh, go to Posen and Carol uh, will join us and he has a car. Okay. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, let's do this. And in Posen, there was a university. And um, I did my NetBeans thing with uh, Java E. Uh, with uh, server side we just still do actually a little bit you know different uh, flavor but still the same Hetian did something I don't know what he did but Hetian had always problems with his Linux machine so it never worked actually until you know uh, this HDMI, HDMI you know cable with the Beamer yes. connection was his problem he had to you know compile Linux several times until it worked and I think you spoke about mobile not Java fix this is what i remember a little bit because it was really interested i was interested what you are doing because it was new to me for the mobile i, I had uh, experience you know with the backend and java me i was a huge fan but there was no projects for me um i had even at the early java i ha- still have some somewhere the java ring actually it's nothing to do with java me but it was the you know the java card it was even one before uh, so java ring with um, with a connector i have to actually find it so um and um and yeah and and, and you got a bmw I, remember, I, said, I, I can't remember that but yeah, but yeah because so. because i <laughs> say ha, how you get from sun microsoft I, I thought you come from san francisco and you came you know from prague but i d- couldn't understand this okay and 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 the first because i, I attended lots of sun you know conferences and workshops. I worked, you know, for San Germany and delivered some, some trainings. And the first time we had, we had a car. So, okay. And what I also remember, you drove right crazy. So this was no <laughs> n- near de- death experience. So what I remember, there were no trucks coming. So no problem. You can overtake this car. So okay, no problem. And uh, of course, we had no idea wh- where we are. And Hirtian had an old, you know, smartphone. But uh, because of I don't know what the cart as the, the the map was not visible. What was visible? Just we and a green line, because of you know because of bandwidth limitations, and you drove and we just you know tried to keep the point on the line. So we knew that you are wrong. So okay, left, right, left, right, and this is our you know our uh, our travel through uh, Poland from to Gdansk, I think it was like 400 kilometers so it was uh, it was actually crazy and um, and then we delivered a talk and um, and it and yeah and what I wanted to tell you why I know about that because I met people who attended our you no know, sessions back then and they still talk about that so it was actually valuable for for the attendees which was remarkable. So um 5 years later I found people who use net beans because we know we delivered a talk back then so this was actually interesting.
1: Yeah that was uh, I remember this trip actually uh you know I we we've done this a lot of uh, a lot of trips but you and Tony was the one of the funny one um I do remember this, this smartphone problems. All right so going back to uh, the the Gdansk trip I remember you getting yourself into troubles with, uh, with the audience, because Gdansk is, uh, is a is you know, I, I don't consider myself Polish uh, as I, I consider myself Silesian, but for a lot of people in Poland, it's, I think you're just uh, uh, named Dan which is a German name, and, you know, people <laughs> were like, ooh. <laughs> No, it's Gdansk. Uh, I don't remember that this. I remember that, that from this
2: trip. <laughs>
0: yeah, what I did, I said, uh, "Welcome to Danzig," and they wanted to hear Gdansk. But uh, why I did it, actually, because there is a band called Danzig.
1: Ah, didn't get the uh, the, the joke. Okay, I got it. Yeah,
0: and <laughs> then I and then I saw, you know, because it was very famous back then. It was actually a great song. Still, Mother. I don't know whether you know. So I said, "Okay, uh, you know yes. the the song," and then some people knew, and then it resolved. You know, this what I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Remember and that. we are actually invited, you know, to the university. The professor he had into you know, into a room. This was actually an interesting experience back then. And um, this is why I met you the last time, I think, in person, right?
1: No, I think um, I actually um, last time I see you was in San Francisco. I think it was two thousand ten or eleven Java One. We mm-hmm. exchanged at least a few words. That's I remember okay, that. Perfect. <laughs> But uh-huh. uh, for longer periods of time, I think it was one of those trips, uh, one of the European, you know, not days mm-hmm. trips. Uh.
0: Yeah, and now the story a little bit continues because what I remember, you and Herțian, you delivered another talk in Java User Group in in Katowice, mm-hmm. and I had no time, so I drove back uh, or flew back uh, to because of projects. And uh, the funny thing is, um, there is a was a large conference called JDD in Krakow. And the first time I attended the conference was two years later, maybe two thousand eight, two thousand six. And um, now it's just really, really interesting because in two thousand eight I delivered a talk. oh no, wait, two thousand eight was my first talk, but two thousand eleven, a talk about Java E, The future is now. And I was invited this year again at the conference. I remember that there, that I already was on the conference. So I watched, you know, I searched YouTube. And I found my old talk and um, and I said, okay, cool. What I will do is I will just, you know, see what happened. So I will actually show you what I, what I said, you know, 10 years ago and now see what's the difference. And um, so I did this and the conference was sponsored by Silesian Java User Group, okay. where I had where I couldn't speak because back then, so I remember our trip and I also pinged healthier and I said, hey, cool, so, but I will do it now. So I say, I'm in Krakow anyway, you know, Katowice is not far away. So uh, I, I can speak, the, if you like, about, you know, uh, I did serverless Java and, and Java is a group. So this was actually the full story, uh, which is, uh, which is you no know, interesting how, you know, how, how small the world actually is.
1: Yeah, like I actually appreciate a lot that you uh, do all these things and like give back to community and try to keep the community
0: alive and uh, mentor and... Uh
1: help younger people to find their way in software engineering. It's, it's important. But this
0: is fun, you know. This is not like it is uh, some special achievement. So um, I'm also a little bit selfish. So if I speak about topics, I ask, you know, my attendees, uh, ask questions and, you know, challenge me. And uh if there are no you know good questions or challenges against my ideas, so I can verify my strange ideas for projects so this is also interesting, so it's also interactive. I'm not a typical speaker, so you know my my slides are always different if I have any so uh this is uh, i i'm not i'm not taking too seriously the entire entire s- s- speaking s- engagement but listen. I didn't want to mention this because uh, because of time, but I have to tell you this, because this history repeats. I would say, six years after our trip, I was supposed to go to the same university in Gdańsk. But um, I was in the airplane, and the pilot says, because in Falking in Gdańsk, uh, we cannot land there. So we will land in Posen. And I say, okay, that's, that's become interesting. But no problem, no problem uh there are there are buses already waiting for us, and I thought never this this will never and 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 we landed no buses, nothing and uh so I picked a taxi driver and the taxi driver drove me to Gdansk, but this was crazy, he was afraid because he never left Posen oh wow, so this was no this was the the story I can tell you for one hour it, it could be a movie. it was like you know <laughs> he uh he try you know to to speak to the uh or the highway to the uh, to the machines which give you the tickets, you know the tickets, uh, because he 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 thought there's someone inside. So I no no no, you you know you put the money, and his <laughs> his Android phone didn't work, so I had to navigate him. It was almost exactly the same story we did, you know, five years uh, earlier with a te- taxi driver, and this was also a really funny experience. And I was too late, and I actually via my phone um, talked to the professor. What he has, prepared you know, prepared prepare the audience because the the topic was microservices. Okay, though you know, implement something and deploy something, you know, explain what whatever, and then I came in and everything turned turned good. So this was actually also a crazy experience. Five years later,
1: right? So um, the, you know, maybe it wasn't that crazy because I think that in the last fifteen years uh, they built a lot of at least I've been told it was a, a new uh you know highways in
0: Poland, so maybe it wasn't that bad. <laughs> Back then, it was not not active active. Uh, okay. So uh, and 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 now uh, they are. I was by with car, and there is no problem anymore. So now now it's problem solved. So um, how long you worked actually for Sun? Were you Oracle employee as well?
1: Yes. Yeah, so no. um, so that's uh, the you know this. The, so I've uh, I think it was seven years uh, around okay. six or seven years, uh, mostly NetBeans, and then the Oracle acquisition happened. So it was um, a lot of certainty what's going to happen in NetBeans, what's going to happen with what direction we're going to go, with a lot of changes with uh, iPhone being introduced, Android being introduced. So yeah, a huge impact on whole mobile world. It basically reshuffled everything. Mm-hmm. Nokia was mm-hmm. no longer a, a player. Mm-hmm. And so uh, but from my perspective with change, uh, as we were acquired, I switched teams and joined JDeveloper. and that is a funny story. How JDeveloper Developer made it into, um, I mean, how NetBeans made it into J Developer, like thanks to the uh, thanks thanks for to one of the uh, the NetBeans founders or an architect, uh, Yaroslav Tula. He had this idea that we should basically take J Developer and merge it with NetBeans. Um, mm-hmm. So I ended up working with him on this. That was extremely challenging. Basically, imagine the complexity of API of Developer and NetBeans and replacing mm-hmm. JDeveloper Engine with NetBeans um, platform to the mm-hmm. point that you can actually use uh, NetBeans plugins inside of JDeveloper. I probably have still nightmares about it, but <laughs> Yarda, Yarda, which is Yaroslav Chula, he was able to convinced uh, higher management in Oracle that this is the way to go. And we ended up working on this project. I was involved in a Windows manager. Uh, at the time we worked together for some time, he eventually moved to something else, but I ended up working on this project for at least a year and a half. Um, it was extremely challenging, but eventually it happened. So if you ever actually, after two thousand. Nine, I think, if you actually happen to use J Developer, you actually were using NetBeans secretly, mm-hmm. not even knowing about it. So, so um, that is uh, interesting. It is still part. the case, you know it. It is still yes, the case. Yes, g Developer, but obviously, you know that 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 that, that type of uh, IDs are they they not as popular as it used to be.
0: Uh, no, but a uh, SQL Developer is it also related? yes? So there is yeah.
1: That's basically NetBeans on there. Like, that's funny, but...
0: Yeah, but SQL Developer is crazy, uh, popular still.
1: Yes, so yeah, there is a couple of uh, couple of products that they still... So I ended up working on the Windows Manager um, or managing the whole Windows system in G Developer, And at some point, there was a huge shift to um, cloud, right? So one day mm-hmm. was announced by Thomas Kurion, one of the... Uh, mm-hmm. He's no longer with... With the company Oracle, Google, but he's a CEO of Google that we should switch to and put all the effort into Oracle Cloud. At that moment, I actually moved to, I working of Oracle Cloud and a developer was they just moved me to another project, and that was very interesting from um, from developer perspective because this is extremely unique, uh, unique experience in the sense that everybody is using Cloud, a lot of thousands of people using the old. I mean millions of people using all type of clouds, but actually a small percentage of people write cloud. So to see how the services are being implemented, how those problems being, you know, solved and mm-hmm. how the sausage is being made It was was, uh, was was really interesting. And that actually motivates me to stay with Oracle for some longer than I mm-hmm. wanted to because you know, I have a rule five years, six years in company to, or project and to move on. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, that was um, it was a very interesting period of, 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 of time where we were working on something which is called Developer Cloud Network. And then mm-hmm. I, eventually I ended up- Was le- it Java? It was, it's Java underneath, yes, because Oracle owns Java, but the Developer net, net was, the idea of uh, DCS as they call it, uh, it was the another tool which would allow you to create quite advanced web application without actually knowing that much of a JavaScript. Okay. So okay. yes, the server side is Java. Hopefully I'm not violating any any no. rules telling here, what's underneath. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. It's not really such a secret. I mean this is all closed source, but so I probably mm-hmm. not able to, you know, give you mm-hmm. a lot of details, but yeah that is a Java underneath.
0: But is it still available, you know it?
1: Yes, it is. Um, at how it's called right now? I think it's called, it's not called Developer Cloud Network, it's called somehow because they keep changing name of the services. It's out there. Uh, and at some point, I'd actually ended up helping to move developer cloud service to something which was called a native service. So it required uh, better integration of Oracle Cloud services. And that was probably, uh, that was interesting experience from the perspective of um, how Cloud works underneath, how the resources are being created, assigned, and destroyed, what technologies can be used for it, and how to spin off, for example, I don't know, 200 machines in a couple of seconds. So that's, it's all interesting problems that normally you do not, as a developer, you don't think about it because it's done for you. So, Mm-hmm. There's not much uh, help you can get from outside. You what you know is that which you get basically. <laughs> you, 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 there's not really uh, you know sources that you can go and ask questions. You have to tackle problems that
0: that mm-hmm. uh, ha- haven't been solved yet. It's... And when you quit Oracle and and, and why? So um, during you call, it actually
1: I think it was like two years, two and a half years ago during when covid started um i was approached by Steve stephen Chin uh, as the one of the uh-huh. uh, i probably know him because he's quite known mm-hmm. in java world and so uh,
0: he, he organized java one right basically
1: he used to uh, now he's, uh, he's in, now he works for jfrog actually but mm-hmm. he used to was like involved in all kind of
0: java and he was also very involved with JavaFix and he had even an open source uh, open visage i think he had their own implementation of JavaFix. so stephen was a uh, i think he was freelance and he started the Oracle, so he was really skilled uh, with uh, java
1: yeah so yeah that uh, so he has, um so he started to work um, for jfrog company uh, a couple of years ago, and he approached me for something which they call partnership team. And the partnership team is actually kind of cool because I was kind of tired of working on one project for years because let's see, let's be honest, like if you involve involved in the a one cloud service, you're gonna maintaining this cloud service for years to come. Like if you work on NetBeans or a large open source project, you, have, you pretty much don't change project that often because it's very difficult to uh, understand how large project works, and then how to maintain them. So it's not very efficient to switch between many of them, because it, it's a huge investment to actually learn the how things work. And so I wanted to be able to work on the smaller projects for a couple of months, um, and see how that is going to go. And uh, I wanted to also be involved in open source. So Stephen Chin um, you know, basically tried to Hire me successfully. And I started working for JFrog. Um First, I did stuff for um, something which is called the partnership team. But eventually, we started this completely new, uh, large open-source project, which is Persia. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, uh, no, not, not my main interest in this is in Persia and uh, distributed binary system or distributed system in general, which is one more time, Close to virgin kind of uh, territory when to tackle some of the problems and how to do it. Yeah,
0: what what is the ultimate goal of of Persia? So Persia
1: sure, just to give you a couple of like a very short interview uh, to interview the overview of this project is the distributed uh, systems um, for binaries. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that you all we all familiar with, uh, for example, uh, Maven Central, Docker Hub, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Basically, a single point where you can download uh, your binaries or mm-hmm. Docker images, etc. So the idea is that we want to push this further. We don't want to rely on one uh, mm-hmm. one point of I wouldn't say failure, but one one point where they can download your binaries, like Maven Central or Docker Hub. We want to have more community approach where everybody can run
0: its its own like federated. Federated servers, of, yeah, right? Like of, Mastodon. Uh, yeah, for software.
1: exactly. So, piece, like a piece of that Persia, like a note, so you can uh, share um, with other people. Nobody controls it. I mean, it's not BitTorrent, you know, kind of approach. It's mm-hmm. very different. We still control what gets into Persia or want to control what gets into Persia. So, the idea is it needs to be super secure. We, um, we are planning to urge. Then it's,
0: uh, I, I assume it's a bit of blockchain also inside, right? Yes, so.
1: the black blockchain is a, a huge part of it because we wanna make sure yeah. that something goes on it and the binary is hosted, especially in a distributed system. We wanna make sure that if you download it, the source is, um mm-hmm. that, 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 that the the source of binaries is reliable and secure. So and another thing which we wanna do is we want to add a little bit more on top of it. Uh, Like, we want to add security features in security layer about the vulnerabilities and uh, security problems with your binaries. And uh, another thing is, which is quite ambitious, we want to actually build stuff on our own. So if we adding a new, if you request to add a new binary to Persia, we have something which we call authorized nodes, and those authorized nodes basically will look at your request and Try to build uh, those binary from source sort literally. So, for example, mm-hmm. Maven will be Java building from first. In case of npm, will be you know, mm-hmm. JavaScript packaged. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, separately none of this idea is revolutionary, but if they put them together, then it's a quite interesting, uh, quite interesting uh, framework and quite interesting solution. The problem Mm -hmm. is there is a lot of things that we need to fix and -hmm. distributed systems are extremely challenging but you know i like Mm -hmm. i like a challenge so
0: why not and with blockchain it might actually work right so the only problem is you know you need somehow majority or whatever because uh if someone will try you know to push the same binary to different nodes something has to happen there's always the challenge right
1: synchronization between it's, a, it's 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 a it's yeah. a big thing like how do you distribute yeah. messages how you distributed events in such a um, environment so yeah there's a lot of interesting discussion how we can tackle that and we decided to use rust um, for mm-hmm. multiple reasons one of that is the um, it's tend to be more secured comparing to other languages because it's so restrictive about how you deal with pointers and ownership mm-hmm. to the point mm-hmm. that i have a kind of love and hate relationship with this language because this is why it, i wanted
0: to ask you because <laughs> it, the, the concepts are super interesting but uh what is your impression would you like so, you know to program your old game in c64 now in rust in your leisure or or not
1: i would do it as an exercise so the, th- the thing oh, okay. is, just like there's a But there's fun, a-
0: not not exercise. Exercises <laughs> are usually not about fun. So Woody will do it for fun.
1: <laughs> well, so here's the thing. Like um, it's it's still new projects to me and new uh, technology. Like as it rust, it's challenging because if you spend years in Java or working mm-hmm. with Java, it's you have to start thinking about all these things like ownership and pointers and all yeah. kind of things that it usually. Don't um, think, and the, so you ended up being very slow. And Rust is extremely restrictive to the point that how many times I give you an example? How many times you would use something like system that out that print ln in in Java? It's just and you pass a string there, right? And you just just print something on your screen, and you can use it for debugging or other stuff in Rust. It's not that easy because if you pass string to the method, then ownership change changes yeah. and it complicates stuff. And so you have to basically abandon your old habits. And, uh, and So you are
0: not stuff. writing system out print lines anymore. What, what do you mean? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, I mean, it
1: is possible, but it is, uh, it, it, it's, there was just an example and a stupid one, but like the, the, the idea of ownership, it's, it it takes some time to practice, and so and it's very frustrating for somebody who spent a long time in um, um in the industry and you know how to solve this problem, but you have a tool which requires slightly different sets of skills. So you ended up being often frustrated and um, and you're thinking, oh man, that you know in JavaScript, Go or anywhere it would take like five minutes. Now I'm sitting here and I'm seeing, like, mm-hmm. uh, multiple errors. I think this is the only language I am aware of that one line of code can generate, like, 50 warnings, basically, on the, <laughs> or, or, or failures. I don't think that any other language is, you know, uh, can achieve anything like this. So, yeah, it is frustrating, but also um, quite... Uh, satisfying in the end if you, you know,
0: implement something, yeah. so. It's, it's, it's interesting for sure. So um, I would say um, if I, you know, will have to learn different language and maybe I will use, you know, uh, learn or, or do something with Swift or Rust. Go, I say, okay, this is just maybe a different flavor, I would say, but Rust is really interesting. There's new concepts and, um, and um, yeah, interesting language. What I found in your GitHub account is also you you've wrote somehow... A, a a test harness for shell scripts right yes so right.
1: so one of the first thing so um because I'm what I do often is the um when I being involved in new projects small or 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 big what I'm trying to do I'm trying to look at the project and see when from my perspective as an experienced developer what is lacking and what I need to do mm-hmm. to make everybody's life Easier, so mm-hmm. I often ended up at the very beginning trying to fix problems that I see in project. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's if I have to create integration test framework for Persia. If that needs to be done, I will do it, and mm-hmm. because that is required often, I actually ended up being all, almost like a quality. Uh, engineer to make sure the project is on the right track or gatekeeper because like I know when I look at a project I spend a month and I know what is wrong with it and I can I'm able to fix it so mm-hmm. sometimes uh, when I approach new projects um, then I will address problems first and then get into development and try to understand mm-hmm. where I can contribute so yes
0: so hey, cool. So I'm really curious what happens with Peja. So um, interesting. because so Jfrog is an interesting company. Maybe it will take off.
1: Right. So you know Jfrog. That this is one of the open source projects that they do, and uh, I'm you know uh, help. I mean, too. I'm grateful for um, them to actually sponsoring because let's face it, open source project without resources, it's a myth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. It's like people think, yeah, open source project, so it's free and nobody's behind it. Now it requires. Massive amount of work and money to,
2: yeah.
1: Um, and this is the one of the risks when you actually uh, decide to use open source project in your
0: mm-hmm.
1: not well funded open source project in your project, then you might end up relying on something which is with ends, you know, yeah. suddenly and you're in trouble. So.
0: perfect, Carol. It was really nice to meet you now. After 12 years yeah so 2011 so was last time so now it's uh, uh, 11 years so um, and um, what I didn't recognize that you actually you just switched to JFrog two years ago and you spent you know the entire time at Oracle and Sun it's interesting
1: yes um, even working cloud yeah that was mm-hmm. a different projects but yeah it was it was a journey um, yeah it was great chatting uh, with you and then um, you know if you're ever in San Francisco let me know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Java One is uh, in Las Vegas now, but
0: if yeah,
1: either in the Area... One
0: question: If it's NDA, you don't have to answer. But were they still, you know, the Sun machines and in the Oracle Cloud somewhere? Because there was, you know, the Sun engineered hardware. There were the the big machines with you no know, the Sun logo on it. You saw so- something like this back, or or no more.
1: Yeah, um, I think that mostly they moved to x86. If you uh, if you if you yeah. If you actually, um, referring to Spark and Solaris, it's most of my friends who used to work on uh, on, on, on Solaris, they actually work on uh, Mac OS now. They moved to Apple.
0: Yeah, yeah. But the uh, the, uh, the Oracle machines, I think it was still, at the end, even, you know, the uh, Sun Microsystems, you couldn't buy um, Intel servers. So, it, But uh, at the end, I so, saw, you know, Java 1 everywhere, I you know the big servers with Sun logo still on it. And I'm pretty sure there was Intel inside. So this was, but okay. That is a, a good, good yeah. question.
1: I think that at the, at the end, they want to mostly use Spark. Um, I think that the competition mm-hmm. in x86 and Intel, it was so mm-hmm. competitive that this Spark was yeah. the
0: way to go. Perfect. Where people can find you, their Twitter handle and GitHub handle and whatever um, handles you have.
1: I'm not really big on, um, uh, uh, on social media. Uh, I have a, uh, I'm using, when I work on an open source project, I use GitHub mostly. It's Mm -hmm. a a coddle H2000, I believe. That's the nickname Mm -hmm. that I use in Jfrog. And yeah, if anybody's interested in Persia, uh, let me know and you know, we can
0: They will have to pass your review, right? Which is not easy, but (laughs) they they could contribute some code.
1: Contribution is always uh, no, I'm not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be always friendly because uh, there is no point. I believe that if mm-hmm. it's better to try and uh, even if your code is not perfect, go ahead, submit your PR and yeah. see what happens then be afraid or people are not gonna scream at you. you know, people will just correct your mistakes.
0: Perfect. Thank you. It was a really interesting journey.
1: <laughs> Same here. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Hopefully see you in person
2: soon. Yeah. Thanks.